Welcome to PICGO Happenings. I'm your host, Diana McFarland. I'm here to give you a front row view of county government. Welcome listeners. For today's episode of PICGO Happenings, we are here today with Pennsylvania County Administrator Stuart Terrell. Mr. Terrell is a native of Lynchburg and has been with the county since April. He has more than 20 years of experience in local government, having served in Broward County, Florida, Matthews, St. Paul's, and North Topsail Beach in North Carolina, and in Virginia as Deputy County Manager in Essex County and City Manager for the City of Petersburg. His educational background includes a Bachelor of Arts from the University of Virginia, a Master of Arts in International Affairs from George Washington University, and a Master of Public Administration from the Aspie School at Florida State University. Good morning, Mr. Terrell. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's my pleasure, Diana. Um, now, I've provided our listeners with, you know, a brief overview of your professional experience in education. But can you give us, or can you tell us more about you and your family and where you live in the county? And what do you and your family like to do in your spare time? Sure. Uh, I live with my wife and daughter, eight years old, and she rides horses. We have three cats. We live at the Chatham Loft, which is an amazing old elementary school building built back in the old WPA in the early 1900s. It's a fantastic historic building. That's what I love about Chatham. It has, in Pennsylvania County, has all this history, old architecture. It's wonderful. So your daughter rides horses? Yes, she rides this horse named Jackson, and he only has one eye. Really? But it, he's got a blue eye and one eye was removed from, from cancer, and yep. he's a beautiful horse. But he still can find his way forward? Uh, yeah, he carries my daughter over jumps and everything. He's really? a good boy, yeah. Oh, cool. All right, I didn't know they could do that with one eye blind. <laughs> he seemed to be. So far, so good. Yeah. Okay, so... Since you've been here six months, what have been your main observations about the county as you've moved around, you know, through the towns and such? Yes, sure. So I've driven around. I've met a lot of folks. I've driven around the county. It's a large county. I love the wide open green space, the rolling hills. I love seeing the cattle and the farm life. I love crossing the rivers and streams. Yet at the same time, we're close enough to Danville uh, to see the growth of the advanced manufacturing jobs and economic opportunity. So, the you know, the blend of uh, the community's respect for its agricultural heritage, the history, the architecture, the small town feel, and the community spirit here with everyone pitching in to help, for instance, with fire EMS volunteers. I think we need, what I'm seeing now is I think we need to focus on economic opportunities to grow, provide good paying jobs to attract and retain our young people here as they graduate, and then have adequate housing for them here. Our staff are committed to work to solve these problems here and position us for success. What I'm trying to do is help us find the right balance between respect for our history, our heritage, our agricultural roots and connection to the land, yet offer modern economic opportunity, good paying jobs in retail, manufacturing, professions. You know, there's no reason that we can't be a global leader in biotech research if we want, if that's what our vision is. And I I just want to find that right out. So do you see that economic potential is one of the county's greatest strengths? I do. I've never seen uh, the assets here that we have 
in my career, particularly now with additive manufacturing, which is cutting-edge technology that the Navy secretary came down here and said he wants to see develop. Uh, we're close to BWXT in Lynchburg, in uh, Port. There's amazing economic opportunity with Southern Virginia Megasite. I expect a client to land there uh, any day now. It's uh, pad ready, all the infrastructure's in. I think we have never seen this level of economic development. The workforce now begins in the middle school with vocational training. I've never seen that level. You know, most schools nowadays have eliminated vocational training, putting kids on track to college, but not every child wants or needs to go to college. They can get vocational training, the trades. We need trades people. I've never seen the level of workforce development and the assets we have in um, particularly advanced manufacturing connection to Danville community and the neighboring colleges. And then with Virginia Tech doing agricultural research nearby, we have global companies here, homegrown companies and global companies. It's just a, a, at a level of economic development that I'm hoping to participate in and add value and help us land more good paying jobs. So every child has a, a young person has an opportunity to find their career. Now you mentioned housing. Is that one area that potentially needs some, some help going forward? I know that there's been a shortage and that's been talked about quite a bit to go along with economic development. There's a definite need for a housing policy here. You know, we have a, a de facto housing policy based on where the water and sewer lines are, have a water sewer map, and the developers are reading that and going uh, going along the existing infrastructure lines, and they're also factoring in expecting a, a major client at the Southern Virginia mega site. I think that was a major driver for the recent accident development was the expected client that will come with a number of jobs, good paying jobs into the Southern Virginia mega site. So that's prompting developers to stand up and take notice. But housing is is critical if we want to keep, particularly our working class folks, uh, in good in a good proximity to work. You know, the law enforcement, teachers, firefighters, uh, all our working class folks who need housing. It's important. There's just a shortage here, and then part of that is what's driving up. The uh, real estate values that we're seeing with the assessment is that we uh, there's a shortage, and, and law of supply and demand means a shortage of housing drives up housing prices. So housing policy, and when companies look to locate in a community, they look to see what housing is available for the work. So it's really critical that we, we develop that. So we'll touch on reassessment later in the podcast, but... Um, mm-hmm. So what initiatives have you been working on since you came on board? Can you let our listeners in on some of that? All right. Well, I have a list of 10. I've been working with the fire and EMS system to keep it strong and ensure that we are fulfilling our mission to bring a trained person on scene promptly to deliver excellent care and transport to the hospital to save lives. Uh, We had a recent project we worked on together to locate a new OMD, Operational Medical Director, and that system needs... Uh, needs study and evaluation, uh, and um, been a part of it. 
I'm ensuring and I've worked with all of our staff and volunteers on emergency operation planning to make sure it's at the level it needs to be, which proved out in the recent North Point fire when, when the volunteers and our public safety uh, paid staff all worked together to save lives and, and put out that fire promptly. It was an amazing collaboration uh, that's coming out of an emergency operation plan. We've actually uh, done a tabletop exercise where we work through an apartment fire and how we would respond. So we had planned for that. I'm working on setting long-term organizational and community development strategies, such as the new jail, courthouse. We need some recreational facilities, uh, housing policy, as we talked about more building maintenance for older historic buildings. Uh, the water sewer infrastructure map needs to be uh, instituted. And we're working with uh, Assistant County Administrator Dave Arnold on broadband expansion. Uh, we're working on the a long-term capital improvement program that looks farther down the road, 10, 20 years. Working with the finance director on the long-term strategic cash flow model, which we've developed. Uh, with the treasurer, so we know exactly what our cash position is. Uh, we're working with economic development, uh, Mr. Rowe, to bring in more job opportunities. Uh, as I say, I expect the the mega site and even the other industrial parks to be to land clients very very soon, and even in the northern part of the county, which uh, I'm trying to put bring more focus on. I'm looking at ways to build up the organization so we can be stronger and do more into the, in the community. Right now I'm looking more closely at the solid waste division. I'm working uh, on a regional economic development plan with the city manager uh, for- Adando. Adando, correct. I'm working on special projects to make sure the reassessment uh, and broadband, the point of contact there is the assistant county administrators doing an excellent job in uh, driving that project forward. So making sure these projects are all working. You mentioned reassessment. Now, I know that's been on the minds of most of our residents recently because they all got their notice in October and there's been some, you know, feedback about um, property values because they went up an average of 48%. And most folks seem to be concerned with what this means for the real estate tax bill next year when they get that. Can you talk to our listeners about how the reassessment relates to the real estate tax rate and how that process will work going forward next year. I sure can. First thing I want to emphasize is that the increase in property values isn't really something we we control. There's really three factors behind that. There's the post-pandemic housing boom, which saw a run-up in prices of housing. There's a high inflation rate now. I mean, interest rates are, what are they? Uh, 10% now. Are they 10%? Well, 8% went, maybe? Went to buy a car the other day and they quoted me 10% on a car loan. So, you know, inflation's high. That drives up property values as well. Then there's law and supply and demand uh, with shortage of housing, as we just discussed. There's, there's just not enough housing here. All that's working to drive up property values. It's a trend that's happening throughout the state and the country, not just here. In fact, some of the neighboring counties have gone up 100, as did the city of Danville. Our average is about 50. So we're not unusual. We're in the norm. I just want to remind everybody, the increase in value, people tend to see it as 
tax liability, but remember, that's your greatest asset. That's your castle. If your value of your home increases, I mean, that shows you that the county is, uh, is, is functioning well, that it's a good place to live. I've been in, lived in places where property values go down, which means that people don't want to live there. There's high crime. Uh, the living conditions aren't good. So in some ways, it is a blessing. However, I understand nobody wants to pay more taxes. I certainly don't want anyone to pay more taxes. So how does that work? Because we're, talk we're talking values here, which is the value of the property, but then you have the tax rate. Yeah. They're two separate things. So can you talk a little bit about that? I sure can. So the actual amount of taxes you pay is a calculation, and there's two parts. There's the property value times the tax rate is the amount. So if the property value goes up, I, I can recommend, and the board will have to decide, we can lower the tax rate to compensate for the increase in the property tax so that the calculation of the property value times the rate doesn't equal uh, you know, 50% based on the current tax rate. We can lower the tax rate so that the, the tax amount that they see saw on their initial bill comes down, okay? So there's two parts to the, the amount of tax you pay. There's the property value times the tax. The property value goes up, we can compensate by lowering the tax rate. I do have to consider the needs of the organization and the, the cost. This is a business. Our business of government needs to cover its costs. I have to factor that in. And then also the needs of the community that they're asking, you know, and we have to figure out what the community needs for the next years, four years, five years, ten years, and factor that in. So where the tax rate will come down to, I, I still need to study. So would you would you suggest to our listeners that they follow the budget process in the spring to so they can see how that works and you know stay up to date on what's going on? Absolutely. We have a duty. We're fiscal stewards. Every dollar that comes in from taxpayers has a higher standard of care than what you spend at, say, McDonald's. We take that very seriously. We, every dollar needs to be accounted for, and we're not going to do anything that isn't justified as to uh, what's the true cost or what's going to drive this county to to more, uh, more service level, more things, more recreation, more community development, more jobs. We have to factor that in and protect the taxpayer dollar. It has a higher standard of care. Okay, so listeners, stay tuned this spring as the board starts its budget process and it will address the tax rate with regards to the reassessment. That's something you will want to pay attention to. Mr. Terrell, thank you for ha uh, joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. Wish you the best of success as you go forward. Thanks so much, Diane. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening to Pitco Happenings. I hope you learned something informative. If you have a question or want to make a comment, give me a call or send a text to 434-489-8739.